welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So did you know that the Jedi are real? (laughs) Welcome to episode number 85. And of course, as I do every five episodes, it's our time to have a talk one-on-one. This topic of the Jedi has come up all throughout this podcast. It's come up many times with guests. Perhaps the biggest one was with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. It's pretty clear that this series of Star Wars is way more than a science fiction story. George Lucas, the creator, obviously had Eastern influences. It's pretty vivid that he wanted to teach the Western world lessons, and he did it through... Hollywood, science fiction. If you think that Star Wars is just some silly science fiction movie, you are very mistaken. At the time of this recording, Star Wars spans 11 movies and four series, all on, of course, Disney+. Plus. It's just this long 60-year story, and... What George Lucas did, essentially, is he took politics and government and war and freedom of people, and he created a soap opera that's true to life. And he twisted it with science fiction and made it a galaxy instead of just a planet. And then he created a subplot throughout about these Jedi and Sith who operate with the Force. And the force is what most people would call God. There's a lot to learn here. It's all there. I want to dissect that now on this recording. But first, I want to remind you that I need your support to keep my work and this podcast going. If you want to support, I encourage you to hit the link in the description and check out the Patreon page and sign up to become an exclusive member. I'll supply you with bonus material and for the price of basically a Netflix membership, you help keep this car on the road, so to speak. And if you can't donate, that's fine. This podcast is going to remain free on Spotify and Apple and Google and YouTube. But the bonus material, such as the video versions, will only be for exclusive members on the Patreon page. So let's get into it. So in order to fully understand... Star Wars and the Jedi, we have to understand the Force. 
this is the concept that George Lucas introduced to us in 1977 when the first movie came out. In that movie, which is episode four, keep in mind the story was released out of order and still is to this day. But in this movie, when Luke Skywalker is inquiring about this force, this mystical force, Obi-Wan Kenobi tells him, the force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Unquote. Very, very important understanding here. Essentially what he's saying is electricity. Now, in later in the Star Wars story, in the Clone Wars series, we find out that there's two forces. <laughs> there's living force and cosmic force. And the cosmic force is what gives birth to the living force. Taoism in ancient China has gotten this completely right. The yang and the yang. The black and the white. In Taoism, this living force is called qi. It's chi. It flows through us. It's this electrical energy that flows in us to the trees, to your dog, to the deer in the backyard, to the clouds, everything that's alive. It's an energy that flows through us. The cosmic force would be called Tao. That's the great father that gives birth to this energy field. In Christianity, it's translated as the Father and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the Chi. It's the living force. And then the Father is the Tao. God is the Tao or the cosmic force as it's called in Star Wars. So this is a very important understanding. In... Episode 38, Santos Bonacci broke it down scientifically. <laughs> magnetism, magnetism, electricity, and dielectricity. So, you know, maybe I'll just play a clip and let him tell you instead of me. The development is very, very limited. So they are dealing with electric, electricity because they can only uh, relate to the vibration wave. They're not relating to the radiation wave, which is back of and superior to the vibratory wave. The radiation wave is pure. The vibration wave in theology is described as impure. It's the god of uh, the impure world. Mm. So 
you're probably differentiating electricity from magnetism, which is what I do. And if you are, well, then that's correct. That's the correct way to do it. Magnetism is superior to electricity. It is the mother of electricity. Mm. It is 10 billion times more powerful than electricity. Thank you, Faraday and Maxwell and Steinmetz and all the greats. Uh, it is a radiation wave. It is pure white light. It has no vibration to it. It does not decay. It is forever expanding. It is radial, mm. hence radiation. Uh, and electricity is a hybrid. But it is responsible for producing all of the material world. Mm. Magnetism does not penetrate into the material world. It is providing the energy for it. It's providing the radial pressure. And then the vibration, which is a transverse wave, that is what creates the illusion yeah. of time and space because you've got wave amplitude and wave length. Wave length is time, wave amplitude is space. And only electricity can do this. So the materialists, their primary mode of seeing the universe is through electrical eyes, vibration. Yeah. Now, Santos, would you say that when we go deep into meditation and, and some of us can become self-realized, as the term sometimes is enlightened, is this why light, light can be seen by people that reach these states? Yeah, yeah. White light is pure light. It is the other half of the yin and yang, which is black and white. Black light is dielectricity. White light is magnetism. Mm. So even though white light is a, a pure light, it is divine, mm. it is uh, creative, it is God light. Yes. Nonetheless, the black light is the true light of our uh, resting source because white light is motion. And if you go to the white light, as they like to talk about in uh, the afterlife experience, well, this will only bring you, project you back. It's a projecting light. It projects you back into motion into the world of motion. Everything in this world is in flux. Right. It's always moving. You see everything, right. all the atoms. The animation. Moving. Yeah, animation. Anima means soul. And white light is the soul. It animates. Mm. So an animal comes from soul, which we are. We are animals because we are animated by white light. Black light <laughs> Black white light will bring us back into rest, and black light holds the uh, the key to its modality. If you look at the word black, you remove the uh, the B, and then you have the word lack because there is no lack in black light. It has everything. And, it's, and that's the light you go back to. When you remove the L now, now you have the word back because you go back to the black light. If you remember that, you'll find that the true 
teachers of transcendental science always taught do not go to the white light it's good light it's beautiful light but it's the light of projection it's the light of unrest okay so there's that clip and santos has been studying for years and you know he's a he's a top world-class researcher and experimenter so uh, what i get out of that is electricity makes up the material world it's what's behind it it's the atoms it's the energy behind the cells behind the form but it's powered by magnetism which is the white light and this would be the force in star wars it's the pure white light the radiation wave it's animation so in star wars when a Force-sensitive person is trained, they can use the Force to their advantage. And of course, in the, in the science fiction story, it's them picking up rocks and moving them around. Or, you know, anytime a, a, a Jedi fights a, uh, a, a, a droid, you know, a robot, they're going to win because they're up against metal. So they can move the material world. A Jedi can move the material world by using the Force. A robot stands no chance against a Jedi. It stands a big chance against a regular human, <laughs> even with guns and swords, but not against a Jedi because a Jedi can take their hand, project the force to them, close their hand, and just take the droid and throw them up against a wall, even if they're 20 feet away. They can use the force to their advantage. Okay? But then there's something giving birth. There's something backing up magnetism. And from what Santos says, that's dielectricity, which is the black light, the source. Now, this is backed up by Vishrant. We've had Vishrant, an enlightened master, on this podcast twice. And he has said that when he rests in his beingness, it's pure black. It's, it's what Gautama the Buddha referred to as nothingness. And even though it's black, you're surrounded by a love and a bliss, a feeling of love and bliss. But your body is gone. Uh, this is also backed up with the episode I did with Peter Panagor, who had two near-death experiences. And in his death, he describes going into a blackness. But again, it was loving and compassionate. So it sounds like there's a source and there's a force. And the source is black and the force is white. And in Star Wars, again, this is called the living force and the cosmic force. Now, in the story Star Wars, what happens is some children are what's called force sensitive. In other words... Even as a baby, uh, their parents or their family are noticing that they're, you know, they have powers, so to speak. The force is strong with them, as they would say. And so we see this in the very popular Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. We see it with Grogu, what most of the world calls Baby Yoda. <laughs> he's a baby, and he, he's force-sensitive. There's this classic scene to me in, in The Mandalorian where this kid doesn't want to give Grogu a cookie. <laughs> so Grogu gets upset and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to take the cookie. So 
He reaches his hand out. The cookie comes right to his hand. He eats it. (laughs) And he's just a baby. He can't even talk. And he's an immature being, right? He can't even talk. He's a toddler. He had a little temper tantrum, and he took the cookie by using the force. So this is a good example of how the force is portrayed in this science fiction Star Wars story. Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, needs to be trained in order to become a Jedi. In other words, you're not born a Jedi. You're born force-sensitive. And from what we can tell, it is genetic. The way it's described in the story is there's these elements inside of us called medical orients. And when your medical orient count is high, you're force sensitive. This is what Spencer Clayton calls junk DNA. And that's actually in the next episode, episode 86. We talk about that. So some people have a high medical orient count. Also in the Mandalorian, uh, the bad guys are trying to get Baby Yoda because they want his blood. They want his Metachlorian count because they're going to use it for something bad. Okay? But, you know, Grogu taking the cookie, he's wielding the Force. <laughs> and that's why someone like Grogu is um, a danger. And and they say that in The Mandalorian. They say that, like, he needs to be trained because if he gets angry, he's going to use the force and he can hurt people. So he needs to be trained so that he doesn't hurt people. When you get angry or scared and you use the force, that's what they call the dark side. And when you go to the dark side, that's in the story is no good. When the Mandalorian brings Grogu to Ahsoka Tano, she says, I can't train him. He's like, why? And she says, because he has a strong attachment to you. He look, Little Grogu looks at the Mandalorian as a father figure. That's the attachment. And that attachment will make him f- scared or angry if something happens to the Mandalorian. That's what happened to Anakin Skywalker when he turned to Darth Vader. And this is a huge lesson in attachment. And, of course, in mysticism and inner peace, we try to get rid of our attachments as best as we can. You know, But we'll come back to that. So, yeah, it, it, in the story, it seems to be a genetic thing. In other words, Luke Skywalker had... He was Force-sensitive because his father was Anakin Skywalker, right? And so... It does seem to be a genetic thing as far as the story goes. So what happens is uh, the Jedi come and look for these Force-sensitive children because they want them to become a Jedi. So let's talk about that. A Jedi is a mystical warrior, someone that's Force-sensitive, And they become part of an elite group in Star Wars, like what the Navy SEALs are to America. They're an elite group of warriors 
that do their best to keep the peace and they're a unit of the government. That's what the Jedi are in Star Wars. Their adversaries are what's called Sith and there's only two of them. And the Sith are, again, force-sensitive people, but they use it for bad. They use it for their own way and to get more of a dictatorship society. But the overall term that's used in the Star Wars stories is a force-wielder. In other words... Someone that can use the Force to their advantage is a Force wielder. If they go be a Jedi or they go be a Sith, that's, you know, that's a different label. But they are a Force wielder. And there are characters that you run across in Star Wars and the Clone Wars and the Rebels series that they're not Jedi or Sith. They're just a Force wielder. And there's also, you know, mystics who aren't Jedi, and they don't want to use their force powers. They just want to live in peace. So it's important to understand that a Jedi is a warrior, a mystical warrior, and a Sith is their adversary. But overall, the term is called a force wielder. And in real life, a force wielder would be called a magician. (laughs) And I'm not talking about David Copperfield. (laughs) I'm talking about a human being who taps into this power with extreme discipline and ritual and is able to start doing things that you can't even imagine. Now, can they do everything that a Jedi or Sith or Force wielder in Star Wars can do? No, because there's creative freedom. George Lucas has creative freedom to create a science fiction movie. Um, But a Jedi is the combination of a magician, a medium, and a mystic. I think I'm going to do a whole episode on these three M's because they're really important to understand and they get a bad rap, you know, especially with Christianity. Christianity is afraid of everything (laughs) that isn't Jesus. Even though Jesus was a magician and a mystic. (laughs) But so a mystic, a magician, and a medium are all slightly different. But together with a science fiction twist, they're Jedi. In the Clone Wars animation series, it was revealed that the main bad guy, um, Palpatine, the senator who became the chancellor, who was really a Sith Lord behind the scenes, he manipulated the whole thing. Um, kind of like he, he turned it from a democracy to a dictatorship. But he was a Sith Lord behind the scenes, and it's revealed that he does magic. Like, he does actual rituals. And, you know, that's something you don't see in the movies. That's why the Clone Wars is so important to the story. You can't know Star Wars without the Clone Wars series at all. 
So that's why I say it, there's magic involved in this whole thing. And there are magicians in this world. A mystic is slightly different. A mystic doesn't really use magic. A mystic is, you know, the Buddha. You know, the, a mystic is Osho or Gurchif or Jesus. A mystic, you wouldn't recognize a mystic if you ran into them at Walmart. Remember when I told you the story about me meeting the blue antelope in episode number 20? I didn't even know what a mystic was when I met him. But a mystic is someone who, through the practice of contemplation, meditation, openness, present moment, begins to merge with this nothingness, this blackness that we spoke about. And it, it's ex, it, it's about experience and not belief. It's about dropping beliefs and just going off of experience and finding a great inner peace, a great acceptance. But a mystic doesn't care about magic. A mystic doesn't care about mediumship. Mediumship is someone who's born with the gift, and perhaps it's the pineal gland, you know, the third eye, where they can communicate with either the dead or spirits or what have you. And, you know, they're psychic. They can see the future a little bit. So uh, a medium isn't a mystic. A mystic is more of a lifestyle. A mystic is a practice of inner peace. It's mysticism. It's almost like its own thing. Its own, its own religion without the praying and the, this, that, and the other. But people get it confused with magic. It's not magic. Magic is something different. That's when someone's trying to play around and hack into the system. You're trying to hack into the force, so to speak, and have it your own way. Um, you know, the law of attraction could be considered magic because you're using your imagination to, you know, make your desires come to life. And mediumship, you know, there's nothing a medium can really do. Like, that's their gift and their curse. I've never met someone who, you know, becomes a medium at 30 years old. No. You meet a medium, they'll tell you they're having experiences when they're 8 years old, 9 years old. Like, it's, it's just with them. And they got to figure it out. And so Jedi do have images and visions and premonitions. And so you could call that mediumship. So again, all three M's. Um, because the mysticism part is their philosophy. And we'll get into all the quotes later on. But a Jedi's philosophy is very mystic. It's very Jesus, very Buddha. Very Osho, very Gurchif. It's very Jalaluddin Rumi. It's very, don't let your thoughts betray you. You know, it's 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 real. It's the real practice. It's everything that I've been trying to portray to you for 85 episodes. And how to find inner peace. Hmm. So something else that's portrayed in the Jedi culture, in the Star Wars culture, which is very real, is the term master. 
Now, master is not something you hear here in the Western world. We don't use the term master. We don't like the term master. Now, maybe because that term was also used with slavery, African-American slavery, but master means something different to Eastern culture. Here in the West, we have reverends, ministers, pastors, rabbis. We don't have masters. But what a master is in the Eastern tradition is a human being who has become enlightened, self-realized, they've merged with the nothingness, and now they become a teacher. They take on disciples. Of course, the most famous story of this is Jesus the Christ and also Gautama the Buddha. They were masters that had disciples. And in the scripture, you see the disciples refer to them as master. It's important to understand that in Eastern tradition, typically, master is the occupation. It's also sometimes called guru. It's an occupation. That's the job. There's still a mystic. The mystic is the underlying label. The chances of a magician or a medium becoming a master as a teacher or a guru is slim. And furthermore, you can be a mystic and not become a master or a guru. A perfect example of that is, again, back to episode 20, when I met the blue antelope. He was not a master. He did not have disciples. He was a wandering guy, a wandering mystic who went from ashram to ashram, and you know he didn't really want to teach. A mystic doesn't have to become a teacher if they don't want to. A lot of them are up in the Himalaya mountains, or they're in a monastery, or perhaps they're a monk. You know, so, but some feel called, especially if they're a good communicator, they feel called to teach others. And so they take on the occupation. To be a master, you have disciples and you have the responsibility to help wake them up so that they can be where you're at. Like the Buddha said, be a light unto yourself. It's like a master is a candle and the light is burning. And all the disciples are candles that aren't burning. And the job, the occupation, is to get that flame onto the other candles so that everyone can walk with inner peace and acceptance and gratitude and love and understand the divine. Now, the other way the term master can be used in the spiritual sense is someone who has mastered their inner self. In other words, they've graduated, so to speak. So in Star Wars, you'll hear the word master a lot. Anakin Skywalker calls Obi-Wan Kenobi master. They both call Yoda master. Sometimes they say, yes, Master Jedi. So in Star Wars, it essentially becomes like becoming a doctor. It's like if I'm talking to a doctor colleague, 
them saying, yes, Dr. Reese, and me being like, yes, Dr. Jones, no doubt. I understand. Hey, how about you, Dr. Smith? You, you know what I'm saying? So in Star Wars, that's what it's like. Once you graduate and become a Jedi Master, they now use the term Master to refer to each other. Sometimes in spiritual tradition, you might have a master who takes on one disciple. And that could be called apprenticeship. <laughs> and this is also very much used in the trades. If you're studying to become an electrician, you'll become an apprentice of a master electrician, right? Or a carpenter, whatnot. So this is very much used in real life. In Star Wars, George Lucas created a fictional term called Padawan. And that means a learner Jedi, an apprentice. So Anakin Skywalker was the Padawan of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And eventually he became Jedi Master. And then he took on an apprentice. And Ahsoka Tano became the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. And so it continues. And then you have someone like Yoda who became what they call Grandmaster Yoda. And he was basically the head of the Jedi Council. And he was the oldest and the wisest. His species was like 800, 900 years old. So, yeah, he became Grandmaster Yoda. And so, yeah, the term master is used a lot in the Star Wars story. And that is totally Eastern tradition. There's nothing Western about that. When the original movie came out in 1977, again, George Lucas had the subplot of the Force and the Jedi. The mysticism part was the subplot to the soap opera. And, you know, the design is for a family movie, which it is. And people bought toys and posters and it became a phenomenon. You had three-year-olds, you know, doing Halloween dressed up as Chewbacca or something. So, but it's a very... uh intelligent design to have this subplot and George Lucas wanted a guru a master figure in the original movie and so he created Obi-Wan Kenobi who took on Luke Skywalker as his disciple so to speak student at this point George Lucas didn't really know he was going to continue the story because you never know if a movie's going to do good or not so he ends up killing off Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> For dramatic purposes. When they ended up making the second movie. Called The Empire Strikes Back. He needed to create another guru. To help Luke Skywalker. And so that's when he created Yoda. Yoda is a small green creature. And he, he George Lucas made him that. To make it appealing to kids. And he made him talk funny. He talked backwards, right? And that made the wisdom, because he knew he was going to give out big-time wisdom, Eastern tradition wisdom. In fact, Yoda is blatantly borrowed from the Buddha. Buddha, Yoda, Yoda, Buddha, okay? And so he covers up the wisdom and makes it more interesting by having a green character that talks backwards. The next thing to understand is that masters will play tricks. It's part of their occupation. So, 
when Luke Skywalker goes to the Dagobah system to find Yoda because he wants to train, what did Yoda do? Yoda played a trick on him. Yoda acted like he was just some weird green creature, hermit, and Luke pushed him off. Like, just find me Yoda, please. He had no patience. Yoda was testing him. He's playing a trick. Are you going to call Yoda a liar? (laughs) And that's what people don't understand. So they look at some of the tricks that masters have played. Osho played tricks with his Rolls Royces. Gurchif played tricks. Bodhidharma played tricks. Baba Neem Karoli played tricks. They've all played tricks throughout the ages. This is what they do. They shock you into awakening. They shock you into a lesson. And that's what Yoda did with Luke when they met. (laughs) So you can see how borrowed the Eastern traditions are. George Lucas borrowed these themes. He even paid tribute to Taoism by naming one Jedi master, Qui-Gon Jinn, which is oddly similar Qui-Gon and Tai Chi, the practices. So Taoism, Buddhism, Zen, all, you know, Tantra, all very prevalent in Star Wars. (laughs) And then you got to ask, how do you make this big, beautiful, spiritual story without the influence of Jesus the Christ? And so he borrows that theme too. Anakin Skywalker, who you meet in episode one as a little, like, eight or nine-year-old boy, he doesn't have a father. His mother told Qui-Gon Jinn that she just woke up one day pregnant. Okay? When Qui-Gon ran a test on his Metachlorian count, it was the highest he's ever seen. They had a prophecy. The Jedi had a prophecy of a chosen one that would bring balance to the Force. And so Qui-Gon believed that Anakin was the chosen one. So he he got Anakin out of slavery because he was a slave, brought him to the Jedi Council, and the Jedi Council agreed that he would go into training to become a Jedi. This is sort of a borrowed theme from Jesus chosen one messiah savior no father immaculate conception so the other heavy theme in star wars that's borrowed from eastern tradition is duality duality means there's negative forces and positive forces and they live in harmony they can't live without the other it's a balance Duality essentially is your opinion as well. You know, we see this in politics, Republicans versus Democrats. We see it in religion, you know, Christianity versus Islam. Um, This is duality. And so when you become enlightened, when you become a self-realized human, when you become one with nothingness, you rise above 
duality. You don't see things as typically right or wrong. They just are. In Buddhism, it's called suchness. It's just suchness. So, you know, the Jedi and the Sith are the duality in Star Wars, the light and the dark. In the newer Star Wars films that came out just over the last few years, Supreme Leader Snoke makes mention of this in the movie. He says, the darkness rises and the light to meet it. So he touches on some truth there. You can't have one without the other. There is no light without darkness. There's no enlightenment without samsara. There's no insight without suffering. Also in the new films, an older, wise Luke Skywalker, who's now a hermit, he becomes a hermit on an island, right? Similar to Master Yoda. So now uh, it's revealed that there are texts, ancient texts of the Jedi Order scriptures. And this is a big part of Eastern tradition, or all religious tradition. To have eras and eras and decades and centuries of knowledge and reports of what's happened. History. Gautama the Buddha Sutras. And there's a lot of ancient texts in Tibet. I mean, there's tons of them. The Tibetan Book of the Dead. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how many ancient texts there are. But that is another comparison that the Jedi are real. That, the, you know, the ancient texts. Something else that I feel is important to this recording is to talk about Zen, the tradition of Zen. Because it's prevalent in the Star Wars story. For those that don't know, Zen is a tradition created by Master Bodhidharma about a thousand years after the Buddha, about about 500 years after Christ. And Zen is essentially a hybrid between Buddhism and Taoism. And Zen is very, I'll use the word strict. You know, when I had Daizen, uh, Daizen Roshi on this podcast, a Zen master, you know, I said, could, could one compare Zen as the Navy SEALs of spirituality? And he, he kind of agreed. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of discipline, you know, it's a lifestyle and simple. They took all the hoopla out of Buddhism and Taoism and they simplified it and created a very sit down and meditate and walk and meditate type of culture. So Zen is very relevant in the Star Wars movies, especially with the robes. You know, look closely at the robes um, from episode one, two, and three in the Clone Wars, you know, in the beginning. Uh, look at the robes Obi-Wan Kenobi is wearing. Qui-Gon Jinn, young Anakin Skywalker, um, Mace Windu. Very Zen-like. Also what Zen-like is the Coens. A Zen Cohen is almost like a one to three sentence riddle. It's, it's a poetic riddle that takes a lot of introspection and mindfulness to understand. And again, uh, myself and Daizan Roshi, we talk about the Coens in our episode together. 
Um, but in Star Wars, there are some Coens. They're not super deep. Obviously, the show, they, they need to appeal to children. Um, but the one that stands out is when Luke Skywalker is on the Dagobah system and he's training with Master Yoda, but his ship is stuck in the swamp and he can't get it out. And Yoda's like, you use the force to get it out. And he's like, all right, I'll try. And Yoda looks at him and he says, no, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. You see, that's like a Cohen. It's a paradox. Because what he's asking Luke to do is impossible. Whether one succeeds or fails at the task, you have to try first. Right? <laughs> so he's making Luke think. He's making his mind twist up there. And that's what a Zen Cohen does too. Have you ever heard one hand clapping? But he's just trying to get Luke into the present moment. Focus. And to develop confidence, faith, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, this, this little Cohen comes up later on in the Rebels series as well. And uh, Kanan training Ezra Bridger, you know, he used it with him and I made mention of, you know, him hearing it from Yoda and everything. So it's cool to see the story expanded on like that. But yeah, it's a little Cohen to make you think like, you know, the sound of one hand clapping. And speaking of the Rebels series, which is very important to the story of Star Wars, it's like 40 episodes, you know, animation series. And, you know, one of the parts that's cool in there where they expand the force is Ezra... When they had to make a long jump, him and Kanan would tag team, help each other out. And Ezra would jump, and then Kanan would use the force to make his jump longer. It was like an assist, you know, like in basketball, an alley-oop or something. So, you know, these force-sensitive people in the story have the power um, or the ability to really move things. And going back to the swamp, you know, when Luke can't get the spaceship out of the swamp, Yoda eventually does. And it's kind of a lesson of, well, look at Yoda. He's like two foot tall. He's this little, and he, at this time he's old. He's on the verge of death. And he lifts it out of the swamp, but Luke can't. And so, you know, there's a lesson there. And, but then we have to ask ourselves, well, can we as human beings, if we tap into this chi, this force, this magnetism, can we make things move with our magic? Can you lift something small across your room, like say a plastic cup or a wallet? My answer I don't know. Never seen it. Never heard of it. However, I have heard stories of very, very highly enlightened mystics who can levitate themselves. These mystics and yogis, they typically can levitate during meditation about a foot or two above where they're sitting. 
you know, in Return of the Jedi, the movie, Luke Skywalker makes C-3PO in his chair levitate. <laughs> I, I think that's for sci-fi purposes. You know, making a spaceship come out of a swamp or making somebody float all, you know, across the way. Or the scene I told you about earlier when Baby Yoda, also known as Grogu, takes the cookie, <laughs> you know, from two feet away. Like, give me my cookie. <laughs> but levitation, I've definitely heard about. You know, it was reported that Gautama the Buddha was caught flying at one time. Of course, that's an ancient report. You know, a thousand years later... You know, when Master Bodhidharma brought Zen or created Zen in China, he also taught them Kung Fu. That's how the Shaolin monks know Kung Fu. And it's reported that he would make long jumps where he's kind of floating. Not necessarily flying, flying, but like floating. You know, it was kind of like you see in the movies. And so that that was definitely reported of these Jedi-like jumps. Of course, we have all sorts of mystical things that Jesus, the Christ, did. The alchemy of turning water into wine, although this very well could be a metaphor of enlightenment and transformation. And, of course, there's the most perhaps mystical of them all, which was Krishna from the Hindu tradition. And Krishna, even as a child, he was performing all sorts of magic. And he was using it for good, too, to protect his, you know, his area from the bad guy, so to speak. And maybe Krishna is the first Jedi. Of course, we don't know if he's real, but the reports are unbelievable. And they actually have a cartoon. You can go on YouTube and look up Lil' Krishna. They have cartoons for Hindu kids, Indian kids. So the magic that Jedis and Sith use in the Star Wars stories, more than likely it's exaggerated for science fiction story purposes, but there have been reports in ancient times of you know these great beings being able to perform some some acts that are unbelievable. I have, however, seen a man with my own eyes put his hand up against some newspaper and light it on fire with just his hand. No no matches, no lighter, nothing. It's just the chi, the energy. He heated it up. And that's that's the ancient, you know, Taoism of using your own energy. The force, if you will. Okay, here's another thing that we have to discuss from Star Wars. Force ghosts. Okay, now we learned in the second movie, The Empire Strikes Back, back in 1980 or whatever it was, that Obi-Wan Kenobi came back from the dead to talk to Luke Skywalker. And of course, on screen, it's, you know, it looks like a hologram is the way that George Lucas shot it and created it. But the bottom line is he came back to talk. This is actually a real concept you might be surprised to know. They're called Ascended Masters. 
Some people might call them spirit guides. In the story, Obi-Wan already has acquired this skill. If you want to call it a skill. Just a higher consciousness. He learned it from Yoda. And Yoda learned it from Qui-Gon. I'll explain that in a, in a second. But in the original Star Wars movie, Obi-Wan knows that when he dies, he's going to still be able to come back and help Luke. He knows that. So he allows his death to happen. In the classic scene when Obi-Wan is fighting Darth Vader and Darth Vader is about to kill Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan says to him, If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> and that's what happened. Darth Vader struck him down. <laughs> so how does this relate to real life? Have you lost your mind, Kevin? <laughs> well, if you go back to the episode with Dr. Robert Morse, the first one, episode 49, we talk about this. And Dr. Morse has lots of experience with these spirit guides, with these ascended masters. Okay? It's been talked about for ages, ages and ages. In order to become an ascended master, the understanding is that this person needs to become enlightened as a human first before they die. This is discussed in detail in the next episode with Spencer Clayton. And he explains that these masters, they die and they go into the 5D, the, five, the fifth dimension. And then they're able to come back and help humans. You know, those that want to be helped. So George Lucas has borrowed this concept, which is a very esoteric, very deeply spiritual concept. Because it's not just a ghost, it's a guide. And that's different. That's different than the ghosts and goblins, boo, Halloween stuff. This is beyond paranormal. This is more spiritual. Uh, this was very prevalent in the work of Paul Twitchell and the ancient practice of Ekankar. When Osho was dying, he claimed that the Buddha, Gautama the Buddha himself, came and visited. And speaking of the Buddha, when he was dying, he claims that beings came to him. Back then, they called them devas, D-E-V-A-S, devas, <laughs> sometimes called angels as well. Many people have seen angels, talked to angels. Jesus the Christ came back right away after his death, talked to his disciples. Not right away, but you know, in, in a short period of time. It was described as an illuminous being which is how George Lucas portrays Obi-Wan talking to Luke, right? And later on in the newer movies, Yoda talking to Luke. So astral projection and ascended masters is a theme in the Star Wars story. 
<laughs> so I want to dive deep into this. But in order to do that, I got to go back to the Clone Wars, the series, and explain to you what happened to Yoda. And we have to translate that to enlightenment, which is something we've been talking about. I've been talking about with you for 85 episodes on this podcast. <laughs> go back to the Vishran episode of enlightenment. In the Clone Wars, there's so many gems, but perhaps the biggest one is season six, I believe it is, when Yoda is visited by Qui-Gon, Qui who had died a few years before. And Master Qui-Gon is, is Qui-Gon Jinn is saying, I'm still alive after death through the cosmic force. And this is when Yoda, it's revealed to Yoda that there's two forces. There's cosmic force and there's living force. The Jedi know living force. But to know cosmic force is something different that's without body. In Taoism, this is the Tao and the Chi. <laughs> um, in episode 38 with Santos Bonacci, he broke this down for us scientifically. If you go back to that episode and check it out, you can connect the dots. There's always two forces Call it, you don't have to call it force if you don't want to. Divine substance, God in Christianity, right? It's uh, it's God and the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. But there's always two. In Judaism or mystical Judaism, Kabbalah, you have the Shekinah. The Shekinah is the feminine force. Um, in some Indian traditions, you have the Kundalini. So there, there's all these things that match up. But regardless, you, this this teaching is revealed to Yoda. And it stands out because Yoda is 900 years old. He's the oldest and wisest Jedi of them all. So this is showing that Yoda doesn't know everything. And Qui-Gon Jinn is saying, come to the Dagobah system. The force is strong here. So Yoda goes to the Dagobah system. This is huge in Star Wars because this comes back later on in Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker finds Yoda to, to be trained in the force at like 20 years old. So this explains how Luke Skywalker became so powerful at a, at a late age. Usually a Jedi is trained at a young age. He's like 20 years old, but he's going to master Yoda in the Dagobah system, which is where Qui-Gon Jinn brings Yoda. Then he instructs him, because Yoda's baffled. He's like, you're dead. How can you be talking to me? And he's saying, because I was taught through the cosmic force by so-and-so. So he instructs Yoda to go to another planet that nobody's really ever heard of. So Yoda goes there. And he's greeted by these beings who kind of float around. And they tell Yoda that he has to conquer himself and know his true self 
in order to become free. And Yoda is like, I'm Yoda. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm clear. I'm clean. And they're like, oh, okay, well, go, you know, go in this cave or go in this whatever it is. Yoda goes in there and he's greeted by the dark side of himself. He's greeted by his dark side, this little beast. And he has to fight this beast. And finally he defeats the beast. And these beings show up and they congratulate Yoda and say, Yoda, you have killed your hubris. And Yoda's baffled because he's like, I thought I was clean. I thought I was perfect. You know. And he's finding out that he's not. The next stage of training is he has to go into another tunnel or whatever you want to call it. And he has to face projections. And so he comes across Count Dooku, who was his old apprentice who turned bad and he had to face um ahsoka who you know he screwed up earlier and mistrialed her and and he came across others that have died and at first he was tempted to associate with them and then he realized you're not real this is a projection So by realizing that, you get great power. This is what I'm talking about. This is why the Jedi are real. This is why this story is real. This is what really happens when you go through the enlightenment process. It's a detox because your mind projects images. It's projecting images now as you're living, and it will when you die on your deathbed. That's why they say if you die before you die, you'll never die. Because if you go through the enlightenment process now, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, whatever, you're going to go through this detox process. This is what Gautama the Buddha went through underneath the tree. This is what Jesus the Christ went through in the desert. It's a detox process. And you might see demons or you might see uh, whatever it is that's the pattern of your mind you're going to see. If you truly hate someone, you're going to see them. Uh, if, if you're addicted to sex, you're going you're gonna to die horny. If, if you're obsessed with um, a certain TV show or a celebrity, you're going to see them. Um, if you're really into Jesus, you're going to see Jesus. If you're really into Buddha, you're going to see Buddha. The mind projects and we have to get it to stop projecting long before we die. Some people refer to this as an ego death. Ego death. This is explained brilliantly in the famous book, The Tibetan Book of the Dead. So, this is the Star Wars version of that. So Yoda is going through his enlightenment process. And this is mind-blowing for the viewer. Because we all thought he was the oldest and wisest Jedi. He's a sage. But he's not enlightened. Yes, he's force sensitive and he can use the force 
And yes, he's wise, but he's not fully enlightened because if you're fully enlightened, then you wouldn't be a warrior. In fact, there's another episode, and I think it's just a few episodes before the one I'm talking about with Yoda, where another, there's another big reveal that on this planet, I forgot the name of it, and I guess it doesn't matter, but there's these beings, and they actually use the word mystics when describing it. They say there's mystics that are Force-sensitive, but they're not warriors. And so right there, I think it's Yoda that explains it. He's explaining to the viewer that, yeah, we're mystics. The Jedi are mystics, but we're not fully enlightened because we're warriors. Because if you're fully enlightened, you have a great compassion and love. You're not going to be able to be a warrior. This is a huge message inside of Star Wars, inside of the Clone Wars animated series. So many gems. You have to face your dark side, the shadows within you. You do, I do, we all do. And when we do that inner work, and it is work, it doesn't just happen. You have to put in work. This is described in the episode I did with Daizan Roshi the Zen master. This is in the episode with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. It's in many episodes. We've been talking about this on the podcast for week after week after week. And it's brilliantly broke down with Shinzen Young, who I did an episode with. And we talked about the detox process. And he breaks it all down very vividly. And so they've taken this story of enlightenment and they've given it to Yoda. And these two episodes in season six detail Yoda going through this enlightenment process. And when he's done, he will know that death is only the beginning. (laughs) And from a story standpoint, this is huge because it comes back. It comes back and... And uh, The Empire Strikes Back, which is probably the most famous Star Wars movie. It came out in the late 70s or whatever. This is how Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi end up coming back as what they call Force Ghosts. And if they weren't able to come back as Force Ghosts, then they wouldn't have been able to lead Luke Skywalker through his process and bringing balance to the force and defeating Darth Vader and the Emperor, etc. The force ghosts represent ascended masters. Once you become enlightened, and this is talked about in the episode Junk DNA, which is next, episode 86. You pay attention to Spencer Clayton. We talk about ascended masters. We also talk about the medical metachlorians. That's the DNA inside all humans with the great potential. The cosmic force, the living force, the metachlorians, they all come together. And we can realize that we are not our bodies. We are not our minds. We're something else. And it won't be revealed to you until you die. But you can die before you die. 
If you're listening to this right now, understand that you can die before you die and then you'll never die. It's called enlightenment. It's called self-realization, whatever you want to call it. Your original face. If you die now, in other words, your desires drop away, your hubris drops away, all your attachments drop away, and your mind stops projecting, (laughs) you're in heaven. You're living in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And this is all portrayed so brilliantly in the Clone Wars animated series. Another theme you see in Star Wars is meditation, right? They're always taught to meditate, to be in the present moment. (laughs) And then there's the mysticism, the practice lifestyle of becoming a mystic. Two things that are very prevalent in the Jedi culture in Star Wars is the saying, your thoughts betray you. Mm. It's very important because it's true. And if you start observing your thoughts, you'll see that your mind plays tricks on you. So one Jedi is reminding another Jedi, hey, your thoughts betray you. Careful. Be mindful. The other one is search your feelings. Search your feelings. What these two phrases are is basically vipassana. So what the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago. It's called being a witness also. Be a witness and watch your thoughts and watch your feelings. You can see everything. And this is a game changer. This is mindfulness. And this is the best part of the whole Jedi is these teachings. Because every teacher, every spiritual teacher out there is teaching the same thing as what's in these Jedi movies, these Jedi culture, is be present, be careful of your thoughts, be careful of your feelings. You can watch. Just watch it. Just watch. <laughs> I, I recall episode four when Obi-Wan is training Luke and they're on the spacecraft and he's got this little ball thing that floats and it shoots lasers at him, but he's got to block it with his lightsaber. And then eventually Obi-Wan puts a helmet on Luke so Luke can't see. And he's training him to do it with just his awareness and not his physical eyes. That's a real training. Not the blue thing that floats and shoots lasers, but there's many traditions that teach you to do things with your eyes closed or blindfolded to heighten your awareness. I've seen traditions where you blindfold someone and you have them just walk from one side of the room to the other. Touch the wall, touch the wall. Keep doing it. Heighten your awareness. We see a lot of this type of stuff in martial arts. Of course, martial arts come from the Eastern tradition. The thing that you should try and realize is that when you get your mind, your thoughts to surrender, And you're no longer using that energy 
and awareness becomes aware of awareness, <laughs> as Vishrant would say on episode 77. You become what's called enlightened or self-realized. And when this happens, this opens up a channel for the divine, which in Star Wars would be called the Force. And so your energy, your consciousness expands automatically. And when that happens, things start to happen. A lot of mystics, advanced mystics, won't tell you because it's just too supernatural. It just, you'll just sound crazy. So it's one of those things that you just keep to yourself. But in Star Wars, they highlight, you know, they highlight this type of stuff. Of course, they exaggerate it for story purposes. Okay, let's move on to the best part. The lessons. The quotes. Here's one from Yoda. Truly wonderful, the mind of a child is. It's an important quote. Jesus talked about being childlike all the time. It's part of the inner peace practice that I laid out for you in the first 12 episodes of this podcast. Childlikeness. Because a child has not been programmed completely. A five-year-old is less programmed than a 25-year-old. A five-month-old is even less programmed than a five-year-old. We get programmed. We go to school. Our parents pass down things. We start a religion. We watch tons of TV and social media. And we become programmed and our mind sets things in place. When you become childlike, it basically means you become unprogrammed. You have to unlearn. Next quote. Adventure, excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. Yeah, that's equanimity. Equanimity means your mind doesn't react. Whether it's something exciting or something super down and sad or negative. You're equanimous. Even Stephen. <laughs> Here's another good one from Master Yoda. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Now, this is straight Buddha right here. This is Buddhism 101. The Buddha and the Four Noble Truths laid it out for us. He wrote the blueprint for every human being. And the first noble truth is suffering is real. We're going to suffer in this life. But eventually he tells you you don't have to because it's from the mind. Let's go back to the quote. Fear is the path to the dark side. It leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Okay, fear, anger, hate, all from the mind. Completely made up illusions from the mind. What you think is not real. You know this. 
if you close your eyes right now and you think of whatever your image of Bigfoot is in your backyard right now, can you close your eyes and do it? Yes, you can. Because your mind, your thoughts are powerful like that. You can envision it. You can envision something sexual. You can envision someone that's died talking to you. You can envision all this stuff. It's all fake. It's not real. Fear, anger, hate, not real. Creating it with your mind. So the mind is creating suffering is essentially what Yoda is saying here. And of course, it's taken from Buddha. Here's my favorite one. You ready? This is from Empire Strikes Back. This is the late 70s. Yoda tells Luke, Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. <clears throat> That's the best. He's saying, you are not your body. You're a luminous being. You're light. You're energy. You're consciousness. You are not your body. We've been saying this for 84 episodes on this podcast. And Gautama the Buddha said it 2,600 years ago now or so. Everyone's been saying it. We are not the body. Luminous beings are we, says Yoda. Let's go to Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. He says, be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin. They betray you. All right, we're back to the thoughts. Don't believe your thoughts. You're not going to be able to shut your thoughts down right away. It's going to take a long time, a lot of practice. But what you can do right now is to not believe your thoughts. When a thought crosses your mind that, oh, I don't think I can do that. Don't believe it. When a thought crosses your mind where you have a hypothetical conversation with a friend or a parent or something, don't believe it. Laugh at it. Ha, 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 ha. Silly mind. Putting out all sorts of projections. It's not real. It's fantasizing. It's dreaming. It's dreaming. And yes, society has programmed you to dream. Just with Nike commercials alone, everything's dream. Follow your dream. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. Next quote. If you define yourself by the power to take life, the desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. That's good. That's good. Desire, also another path to suffering. Because when you desire something, it's a goal. It's something ahead of you. And it may not happen. It's an expectation. And of course, to dominate and possess things don't really matter. You know, you ever hear the phrase, you can't take everything you own with you to the grave? It's okay to have things, but you can't be attached to them. Here's a quick conversation that young Obi-Wan is having with his master, Qui-Gon. He says, But Master Yoda says I should be mindful of the future. And Qui-Gon says, But not at the expense of the moment. Remember, 
your focus determines your reality. Concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Trust your instincts. <laughs> That's juicy. We're right back to don't believe your thoughts. When you stop believing your thoughts, you get more intuition, more instinctual. That gut feeling, the third eye. You have to move away from your thoughts. They are your friend and your enemy. They're your friend when you're solving a problem, like a practical problem. Like you need to change the tire on your car on the side of a road. Or you need to do some math. Or you need, you're doing a murder mystery game. <laughs> you're playing Monopoly. Okay, then use your mind practically. But stop dreaming. Stop fantasizing. Like Qui-Gon says, stay in the moment. If you take a walk and you're dreaming and you're thinking and you're fantasizing, you're not in reality. You're missing the birds. You're missing the sky. You're missing the squirrels. You're missing the sounds. You're missing everything. Let's move on to the Clone Wars, the animated series on Disney. One of the best things, the best thing I think in the whole Star Wars story is this series. Easy is the path to wisdom for those not blinded by ego. Ooh. Yeah, ego is our false self. This is our pride. This is our importance. Right? I did a whole episode on ego, episode 12 or 11. I forgot one or the other. Ego blinds us. It starts around two years old, the terrible twos, and it's nice and crystallized by the time we're 13. And then we start suffering. From 13 on, we just start suffering through the high school years. You know, the pimple ruins our life. <laughs> you know, uh, your, your first girlfriend or boyfriend breaks your heart. We go through this whole ego suffering, and it continues to your death unless you change it. And if you're listening to this podcast, then you must have a gut feeling that you wish to change it. Here's another good one. The best confidence builder is experience. Such a simple quote, but we're right back to the whole mystic definition. It's all about experience. Ooh, here's a good one. Most powerful is he who controls his own power. Oh, that goes back to what I was saying about if you do develop a power, if you do end up with psychic ability or you do uh, end up levitating or you do end up, you know, having great mystical experiences, you may want to keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Now, maybe you have one confidant you can talk to. This is where the master-disciple relationship comes in or at least having an awakened teacher that you can talk to and get confirmation. Here's another good one. The winding path to peace is always a worthy one, regardless of how many turns it takes. And that goes with the entire podcast theme. Peace is what you want. 
cannot be shaken. Where nobody can disturb you. Oh, here's a good one. Greed and fear of loss are the roots that lead to the tree of evil. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Greed and fear of loss. We're talking attachment. We're talking about you being attached to something and you don't want to lose it. Your house, your car. Attachment leads to the dark side, essentially, is the theme. Okay? This is what Osho was trying to send the message of with his Rolls Royces and his diamond watches. He wasn't attached to them. You can take them away. It didn't matter. You don't be attached to the material. The material comes and goes. It's always impermanent. Always impermanent. What did the blue antelope, the biggest lesson the blue antelope gave me in 2012 at the ashram? He said, your practice will protect you. So no matter what happens in your life, it could be the most crazy thing. It could be a hurricane blowing your entire life away. Your practice will protect you. Or it could be something, quote unquote, good. You could, you know, win the lottery. Your practice will protect you. So there's some good quotes from the Star Wars series. And there's more than that. There's novels. There's comic books. I mean, the Star Wars universe is massive. And what they did was, I don't think it was George Lucas. I think they brought in other people and he licensed it out and they created it. But the universe is huge. You could go back to Jedi Knights and Sith Lords from centuries before the Star Wars stories even start. They created a whole folklore that's so deep and so intense that it, it, it mirrors real life. And when I say real life, I'm talking about the centuries and centuries of spiritual tradition of the mystics, of the gurus, the masters, the saints, the monks, the sages. It's all there. And there's fanboys out there that are so into Star Wars and they learn the whole thing. And they, they learn that, you know, this Jedi Knight from 1700 years ago did this and that. And the lineage comes all the way up to Anakin. and You know, it, it's this whole thing. And I would just say, if you're going to put in the time and the effort to learn the whole Jedi slash Sith lineage, which is fiction, you might as well push that to the side and learn the real thing. You might as well learn about Master Dogen and Master Bodhidharma and Lao Tzu and Chang Tzu and Jalaluddin Rumi, and all the Kabbalah teachers, and the Zen masters, the I Ching, Yogananda, Manly P. Hall, A Course in Miracles, <laughs> George Gurchiff, Don Juan Matus, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Tiger's Fang, Paul Twitchell, the Secret of the Golden Flower, the Zohar, coming all the way up to modern times with Ramana Maharshi 
and Neem Baba Karoli and Osho and even Eckhart Tolle and Sadhguru and Thich Nhat Hanh, Emmett Fox and learn all the traditions, Hindu, Buddhism, Taoism, Christianity, Jainism, mystical Judaism, Mohammedism, Islam. It's all there. You can put the pieces together. You know? But hey, if you want to do the fun, short version, <laughs> then watch all 11 Star Wars movies and all four series. <laughs> the Clone Wars series, the Rebel series, the Mandalorian series, the Resistance series, and of course Disney is releasing more series. <laughs> you know, the Kenobi, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is going to be hugely popular. I mean, it's going to be massive. And, you know, this is a crash course on spirituality, on mysticism, on inner peace. And you can even watch them in order. Right? You start at episode one, and you could go online and find the entire order so that you're going in a timeline. Because it's not done in a timeline. It's not linear. It's not shot linear. So... You know, that would be a crash course. But most people don't watch Star Wars and look for the lessons and look for the knowledge. They're just, you know, obsessed with the characters and, and caught in the story. But this is, George Lucas is, uh, he's done something very special here. And it's just kind of under the radar. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision if you want to start a practice or not. And that's what I hope this podcast provides for you. This podcast can be a part of your practice so that you can relax and become a Jedi. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, Feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.